Well, welcome to Neighbors in Need. I'm Sandy Waters, and in the studio with me today, a very special woman, inspirational, motivational, Jerry Lynn Sparks. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Sandy? Jerry Lynn, a domestic violence survivor, Churchville Chilai firefighter, and marketing communications manager at Badge of Honor Association. There is something very big coming up, and I want you to put this in your phone first. Let's get that right. Let's set the day, the week. It's National Crime Victim Rights Week, um, and it's April 8th through the 13th. National Crime Victims Rights Week, April 8th through the 13th. So put that in your phone. We're going to tell you um, the exciting things that are happening that week in downtown Rochester and how you can be a part of it. But the reason why we invited Jerry in is because your story, and it's been featured on the news, you probably hear the name Jerry Lynn Sparks and you're like, that sounds so familiar. Your story is so moving and inspirational, how you fought through a domestic violence situation and you got out of it. Do you mind sharing the story once more with us? I don't mind at all. I think every time I tell it, it helps uh, remove some of it from me and uh, reaches somebody out there that maybe feels alone and uh, removes some of the stigma. So I absolutely don't mind. It'll be six years this coming July. So there's been a lot of wonderful things that have happened to me in that time. Um, I went through PTSD and I had counseling for that. And uh, wonderful people over at the Willow Domestic Violence Center helped me to get there. I actually didn't start speaking out about this until uh, last year, so uh, five-year mark is when I started. Um, The first thing I did to speak out was honor the uh, 29 sheriff's deputies at the Monroe County uh, Sheriff's Office that helped me. And that kind of jump-started everything else that we'll talk about today. And now your new mission is to help... Anybody that's willing to listen, just even that one person, if one person is listening today and hears your story and how you overcame and survived it, then you saved one more life. Yeah. Um, So what happened to me, I think, was kind of unexpected. I just had lunch with a friend, uh, Leah George, yesterday, and I was saying to her, I don't think people would look at me and think domestic violence survivor. And I think that's actually the power of it. It can happen to anybody, a man or a woman, Mm -hmm. children any echelon of society, any socioeconomic class. Um, I was married to uh, an Ivy League educated doctor who um, became progressively mentally ill and hooked on um, drugs and alcohol, and I didn't know it. And um, so So at the start of the relationship, there were no signs. He was my best friend, uh, and that was what really was so difficult about the way things unraveled the last year of our 20-year marriage. Um, He was a minister's son, uh, a guidance counselor, an artist's son, um, comes from a very um, fine, upstanding New England family. You know, summers on Cape Cod, the whole you know picture perfect dream, yeah. really. Yeah. And um, and then some economic stressors started leading him to self medicate, and I would be asleep at night when he would do it, so I didn't know what was going on. He was very good oh. at compartmentalizing his life, and uh, until he wasn't good at it. So the last year of our marriage, there was a lot of yelling, but there was nothing I could do. There was nothing actionable. Um, because when someone's yelling at you, what are you going to tell a law enforcement officer? Hey, my husband's yelling at me. Can you get yeah. me away? I had no yeah. way. And I had talked to him about divorce for a number of years. For the last eight years of our marriage, I wanted an amicable divorce. And he would always say, if you divorce me, I'll take the kids and the house. And he's from a wealthy family, and I knew he had the means to do that. And so I was mm. very slowly trying to find a way out peacefully, uh, and I didn't have enough money to do it. I was a congressional press secretary, and then my boss, Eric Massa, resigned, and suddenly I lost my economic means to do it. And so when people say to women or men that are in a 
a domestic violence situation, why do you stay? The number one reason is usually money. I didn't have money or they don't want the loss of the full time with their children. And those are very important yeah. and powerful things. I those wasn't threats, right? It wasn't because I was in love with him. And some people do. They stay because they were in love. I absolutely was not in love with him. I just wanted um, to be able to financially afford my um, children and not have them with this person I deemed unfit to be a father around them half the time. So I was trying to find a way to get out um, clean, and I couldn't. I couldn't do that. Um, so the night of the things that happened on July 4th and July 5th, 2012, is when um, he actually asked me for sex. And I said, no, you know we're not getting along, and um, I have to work in the morning. I really don't want to talk about this right now. He had been horrible to me for a year, and I was like, no, I'm not going to mm-hmm. have sex with you. And it, it enraged him. And he said to me, you better watch it. And that was uh, 1030 on July 4th. And I locked the door in the guest room. I'd moved out of the marital bedroom months earlier. And I locked the guest room door, half glass, half wood, and uh, went to sleep thinking I was going to work in the morning. And then um, later, about two o'clock in the morning, he tried to you know, beat down the door. And um, unbeknownst to me, he had taken bath salts and basically said that um, several of his friends told him I was a woman. And that alarmed me. Or I was a man. And so I knew he was having hallucinations. And I couldn't get out of the room. The doors in the old house I lived in were sealed shut. I couldn't get out. And so this went on for several hours until he finally broke down the door um, and punched me in the face and choked me until I almost died, hit me over the top of the head and compressed oh my, my um, cervical C4 and C5. So it was it was a lot more happened. But I um, there was attempted rape twice during that attack. I was face down at one point, losing consciousness. When I came to, um, I had my uh, presence of mind to just push him off of me and run out the door. I ran next door to the neighbors, um, the Brocious family. And then Greg Harmer was a few doors down. He's a Churchville um, firefighter. He was the chief. And he whisked us um, once the Monroe County Sheriff's officers rescued my sons and the high-speed police chase that they had gotten them. Bob Murphy of the Monroe County Sheriff's Office was able to pull the car door open and get my boys away um, with 29 other officers looking for my ex at the time. Um, then Greg came and whisked us away to a safe house, took our belongings about seven trips back and forth and like three or four o'clock in the morning to wow. get us there. And then over the two years after this, um, there would be court dates and he would have to be, you know, brought in from jail or California where he was living at the time. And I would be terrified because I had PTSD and so did the children. Um, so, um, Sheriff's deputies such as Jason Eliato uh, would come by at two in the morning and shine a spotlight so we could see it on the walls of the house and know that we're okay. Someone's out there watching mm-hmm. out for us. So some deputies would come into the house at three in the morning and shine flashlights and go by room by room by room. And so the gratitude I feel for Greg and, and Jason and Bob and all the other officers, Mary Delella, is hard to uh, quantify. It's really um mm-hmm. You really can't put a number or a feeling on that. It's just a part of who I am now. My children, we got to meet our heroes this past summer. And it jump-started me to think about how how else can I show gratitude? What else can I do? And that's where Mary uh, Delella, uh, she was my victim's advocate at the MCSO, invited me to join the Monroe County Crime Victims Coalition. So I started that in November. And that leads us to where we are today. An awesome story in the fact that it, the people that saved you, and now you are in turn doing that for other women 
And I'm glad that you're okay. The family's okay. Mm-hmm. Your kids are okay. We're all doing great. They're doing great. They are. And they really support me in being a firefighter. I joined Greg and uh, Jason in becoming firefighters. So that's been awesome uh, to be able to, to do that. And my kids, give back. they think it's awesome. Uh, Saturday of this past week, I ran out of the house and said, okay, mom's got a fire call to go to. And the boys are so used to it now. They say, okay, mom, love you. Don't die. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to go into uh, the 490 and help push a car over that it turned over on its wow. side and pry open a hood and there's an adrenaline rush but you're also you're you know there's a tangible feeling that i've done something to help somebody today so firefighting was very healing for me to be able to physically give back yes it's really awesome feeling and uh, there are amazing first responders out there how old are the kids now um julian will be 15 next month Uh, grant is 17 he'll be 18 in october my daughter is uh going to be 19 in november and uh, my son with autism lives in a group home he's 20 Three more years until I have an empty nest, so it's good I'm a firefighter, oh, no. so I have something to do, do with yeah. firefighting. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, okay, so now let's move into how you are helping as well with the National Crimes Victims Rights Week, and that is April 8th through the 13th. So being part of the Badge of Honor Association and working closely with the National Crime Victims Group, what can we expect? What should we know about this day? Okay, so um, one of the things that we're doing in Monroe County, um, there's a coalition that meets once a month. Um, We're partnering with the FBI, the RPD, um, the DA's office, and lots of the nonprofits around Lifespan, things like that, that help um, people once they've been a victim of crime or a survivor of crime is what I like to say, um, to give them places they feel connected. But we also wanted to give them a way to express themselves. Um, I write poetry. That's one of the things that's helped me heal. Um, So we thought perhaps, you know, an art show. So what we're doing on April 11th is having an art show um, from 6 to 8 p.m. at the downtown library. Okay. Um, And anybody can submit artwork, uh, poems, uh, essays, photos, sculpture, you know, anything that, you know, they consider art. They don't have to be a crime victim. It could just be in the theme of that. And uh, we're taking submissions until March 1st, and they're going to highlight it. Um, we're going to have the media there. We have a couple of speakers, um, one uh, from the Willow Domestic Violence Center, to talk about what we're trying to do in honoring the victims, uh, both those that survived and didn't survive, to show um, the gravity of the situation. Crime is very common, and also that there's hope for those who yeah. um, survived. When you feel like there is no hope, there is indeed. There has been times in my life when I felt like there wasn't hope. I'm now in a very positive place in my life. But the first the first two years were incredibly hard. And I did feel ashamed and alone. And uh, I didn't talk much about it. Took Which some, is what, it's a very common feeling. Yes. So you are far from being alone. Yeah. You, it's point. amazing to me uh, the number of men who've come up to me and told mm. me that they are you know, domestic violence survivors too. They have more of a stigma against speaking out than women do. Um, yeah. And I'm a mother of three sons. So I'm very uh, attuned to that. So I, I did uh, take a long time to um, embrace the fact that, you know what? I survived this. And yeah. speaking out is not something I'm ashamed of. I didn't cause this to happen to me. I didn't wear something revealing. I didn't do something awful. There's the stigma in society that, you know, somehow we had it coming or we did something wrong. Behaviors that are violent belong solely to the perpetrator. What can we do as a community? Sometimes a lot of people have that gut feel of something going on in a neighbor's home or a friend. Mm -hmm. What can we do? Um, That's a great question, and I've thought about it a lot. And uh, my next-door neighbors, 
we're afraid of him. I don't fault them for not calling the police because he did a very good job of scaring everyone. Um, there was uh, people coming to me after the fact saying, I wish I had called. And I've relieved them of that guilt by saying, what could you have done? Oh, he's yelling at her. It's actually not a crime to yell at someone. Menacing is hard to prove was the statement that a, a Monroe County Sheriff's deputy I saw in a coffee shop said to me. And it was probably not the best advice, and they have better training now. But at the time, I really agreed. There was not a whole lot I could say. But I've thought about it now. Someone could have made a call. It's been a record that there's something going on ah. in this house. Um, when I called my lawyer seeking divorce, he said, has there been a pattern of 911 calls? And there hadn't been. So I think someone calling anonymously could have probably helped me. I wouldn't even have had to have known about it. But having people in my vicinity. Some kind of documentation. And the other thing they could do privately in a safe place is to say to them, I know what's going on with you. I'm here for you. My house is open to you or whatever you need. I will help you. Okay. And then the other thing is spreading the awareness about groups like Resolve and the Willow Domestic Violence Center. Both groups I had never heard of until this happened to me. I'd never heard of them. You never thought you needed those groups, right? No one ever thinks they need it until they need it. Um, So I think... For me, my biggest um, mission has been to just get the word out there of all those groups. Like when you and I were at the Walk a Mile in Our Shoes thing, what you're doing by promoting that on the radio is actually saving lives. You may not think that, but you are, because now that word Willow is in someone's head and they can look it up and get help when they need it. Hopefully Willow and Resolve, you're right, become just common names that everybody is familiar with household. Yeah. yeah and first responders too. What I'm doing with resolve and Ali O'Malley is we're going around and training our first responders and area fire departments to get them to recognize calls as domestic violence related, because often the first time an incident gets logged in the sheriff's office is when they've made a 911 call or a fire call. Those often have a domestic violence element. So we're trying to get the fire department and EMTs to start seeing these calls as potentially domestic violence related or crime related any type of crime not just uh, domestic violence so april seems so far out but (laughs) it seems like oh god when is it going to get here with the weather right april 8th through the 13th it is national crime victims rights week and the the reason why jerry lynn is in today talking about it um to share her story and, and to help it's also to gra- to get some submissions because now is the time and we'll bring you back in when it gets closer to the event so we can make sure we do have um, it scheduled in our calendars. But now is the time to submit the artwork, submit the poetry, which, by the way, congratulations on your next book. You already have a beautiful poetry book, which where can we find that book? Uh, it's one? on Amazon. Okay. Uh, Ten Good Things About the Rain and Other Poems uh, came out in August of last year and I've been doing readings. Um, so it's available on Amazon. Wonderful. Yeah, and I do have another book coming out. <laughs> I'm really working hard to get it done, and it's the true story of what happened to me. Um, something I wanted to do and didn't think, you know, anybody would be interested in, and a, uh, a small publisher is interested. And um, the impetus for me was to, to get the story out of me. You know, it was you know, cathartic, but also again to let someone maybe pick it up and realize they're not alone. Yeah. On Facebook, Coalition for Crime Victims of Monroe County. You can search that. Reach out and um, definitely be a part of the night. The Coalition for Crime Victims of Monroe County uh, invites you to illuminate the night on April 11th. Thank you so much, Jerry Lynn, for sharing your story with us, for everything that you do, and um, for being an inspiration to all of us. Well, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure.